0: I think to me, as a three, as like a complementary receiver, I would love to have a guy like a Gabe Davis who can stretch the field vertically and can win down the field. The problem is when he is lining up as your every down, like number two receiver, there is a limitation there that's hard to get around, especially when teams are trying to take away your number one and Stephon Diggs. And prior to this year, where right, they got a lot out of Kincaid. And again, late in the year, they got a lot out of Khalil Shakir. You don't really necessarily have those other threats there as well.
3: That's Matt Harmon of Reception Perception as we approach free agency. We've got the Combine a week from tomorrow begins. So Combine, I'm looking at defensive lineman drills a week from tomorrow. And uh, free agency, legal tampering period. We're in the franchise window. Good morning. Jeremy White with you. Joe's out today. Josh Schmidt producing. To the Western Hotline we go for Chris Trapasso, who we talk to every uh, couple weeks. Chris, good morning.
4: Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me.
3: You're going to tell us all about Chop Robinson. I've learned about Chop Robinson. I saw <laughs> a mock draft. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah, NFL.com, had Chop Robinson to the Bills at 28. But this is a this is a defensive end idea, and you know, Chris, we can dig into a lot of different defensive ideas. But this is a player that you have very highly rated on your big board, and to me, that's going to be a theme of defensive draft picks because the first round as a whole is so offensive heavy that you're going to get highly rated defensive players much later than you might normally do so.
4: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, there's not those two or three top half of the first round or top 20 linebackers. There might be maybe two defensive tackles who will go in the first round. Um, Corner and safety are pretty good, but you usually have those other defensive positions in the first round, and you're right, it is very um, offensive-heavy receiver, quarterback, offensive tackle that we're going to see in this draft. So, there is a scenario, and I think it's important to talk about it, where four, five, maybe even six receivers either go off the board in front of the Bills, or if the Bills do tr- try to trade up for a wide receiver, they can't ultimately strike a deal, and maybe defense makes more sense and then an attack wide receiver in the second round.
3: I thought it was interesting what you wrote up about Chop Robinson, defensive end, Penn State, that he wins fast. And, you know, this is a, this is a good point to make about defensive ends these drafts chris they don't happen in a vacuum you're thinking about contract value what you can get uh the board how many how many there are available but i like what you wrote about the the idea that maybe with quarterbacks changing the way that they play that different traits are now more valuable with defensive linemen and wh- what did you mean by that
4: yeah that chop robinson is like you're kind of i don't want to say he's the next von miller but he is a like smaller outside speed rusher who when he wins, it is in under two and a half seconds. And you talk about it all the time on your show that quarterbacks are just getting the ball out so quickly today. And I think a a slight uh, reason that the bills kind of missed or definitely missed on Boogie Basham and have gotten good returns on Gregory Rousseau, but I don't think he's become this, you know, clear number one that that offensive lines have to game plan for because when he's winning, it's just taking a little bit too long, and a quarterback can maybe get the ball out right as he's starting to generate his pressure. With Chop Robinson, it is explosive uh, burst, bend around the corner, that dipping ability that you either have or you don't have, and certainly Von Miller had that in spades in his prime, that guys like Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham and A.J. Finessa just don't have. So he's someone that for as much as I'm on the wide receiver train like you are, if that's, if the board fell a certain way, like we're seeing so many offensive players going in front of the Bills, and they were like, look, we want someone that has – and I think Chop Robinson is going to test through the roof at the combine. The Penn State guys always do. and He looks super explosive on film. They're like, look, we also have a need at edge. It's not as big as wide receiver, but we like the depth at wide receiver. Chop Robinson, among all these guys, would be the one that I would like the most because, again – he fits how you counter today's you know quick passing offenses of the Kansas City Chiefs and a lot of others. There's a couple other
3: names I've seen pop from a defensive line standpoint. You know, like you said, we talk a lot about receiver, but doing our due diligence, eating my vegetables here. Uh, Tavondre Sweat is a defensive tackle I've seen quite a bit. I don't know how high he ultimately goes, but that he's I don't know first round talent that could be someone that that, that slides. I mean, when it, when it comes to guys that are. Uh, run the card up, right? It's 28, the board has fallen a certain way. Is he on that list? Who else is is there with you for, like, Chop Robinson that would be a good enough defensive prospect where even if you are a wide receiver-centric person that you can't turn down? How how many different guys are on that list?
4: Okay, yeah. So to me, Tavondre Sweat is not on that list. I have seen him around the internet, too, because he kind of is the most classic Big body nose tackle who did show a little bit of pass rush ability in 2023, and I think you see Ed Oliver. He signs the contract, has a great year. The Bills now, during the Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott era, have this long history of they like that big body next to Ed Oliver. Now there's two defensive tackles, Byron Murphy and Zerjon Newton, uh, who are more Ed Oliver types. I don't think they would go in that direction you could convince me that, hey, they just want pass rushers inside, and I would be okay with either one of those two. It would be a little bit different from their philosophy up front. Devondre Sweat, though, is like 6'4", 360. Uh, I don't know if he has a conditioning problem or Texas just wanted to keep him fresh, but they had him off the field a lot, even on third down. He didn't play every snap. To me, he would be more of a day or To me, even an early day three pick, I just don't value those run stoppers very highly in the draft. You mentioned it earlier. My big board is very centric on position value. Like I, I can grade these guys, and I'm going to get guys wrong, get guys right, but what I really try to do and and be good with is quarterbacks are high, they get elevated up, running backs yeah. get pushed down, safeties get pushed down a little bit. It's edge rushers, it's receivers, it's offensive tackles. Um, safeties may be a little bit higher because they're doing a lot of different things, but the two down run stoppers I just don't think are very that valuable, even if you're a team like the Bills that's in a situation that definitely needs bodies at that specific kind of nose tackle position.
3: Chris Trapasso on the Western Hotline. Darius Robinson, he was big a riser mm. at the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl's one place for guys to rise. Of course, the Combine will be next. And I know with, with, with Darius Robinson on Missouri, I saw Brett Coleman refer to the profile he has as, again, comps can be tough. But Brett Coleman referred to him as the J.J. Watt profile.
4: Oh, um, <laughs> I, I didn't quite see that, but I, I understand why Brett said that because Darius Robinson is similarly sized to J.J. Watt. When he came out of Wisconsin in 2011, he's like almost six six, between 280 and 290. He looks, he's that, you know, the first guy off the bus type player, um, plays inside, outside. He, he more fits the profile of what the Bills have liked at that defensive end spot with the Boogie Basham and the and the Rousseau and the Epinesa, like bigger, stronger, sets a good edge. I think he's even a little bit more advanced than Epinesa and Basham were when they were coming out of their schools respectively the last couple of years. The pass rush moves are there. I think he's a very good athlete. Epinesa didn't test very well at the combine. Basham was a pretty good athlete but didn't have that explosion that you like to see. Um I guess I didn't answer your question earlier. There's only like two or three guys chop robinson cameron kinchins who's a safety from miami on the defensive side that again the board would have to fall in a specific way where you would be in a position where i would say okay yeah you know run that pickup he's a defensive guy you want offense but those would make sense there's not too many like you were kind of referencing earlier in the first round that i think are oh my god the bills have to pick that guy
3: one thing chris Passo, joining us nfl draft and young player analyst for cbs sports Uh, Also at scoutinggradebook.com if you want to build your own big boards. Chris, when it comes to the defensive end position, of course the draft happens after free agency. And Mm -hmm. maybe the Bills are not as desperate at end if they decide to keep A.J. Epinesa. Was there enough from Epinesa in his little stint here to warrant, you think, bringing him back on a bit of a bargain deal? I don't see many people expecting him to get too much. And he'd started to flash a little bit. What's your feeling on Epinesa as a a keeper?
4: That's a great question. I would say, like, so I'll word it like this. To me, I thought at the end of the season, Gabe Davis was not someone that the Bills should even offer a contract. I don't know how often that happens, like, in free agency. Like, do teams just say, hey, like, we're just going to offer all of our outgoing free agents at least something just as a sign of respect. But to me, I would say, all right, Gabe Davis, you are gone. You're not on the team. Epinesa, I think what you just referenced, he played well enough and missed some time, but has mostly been pretty durable. Good run defender, at times can be a decent pass rusher. Um, obviously, all the batted passes at the line are kind of an extra bonus to his profile, where yes, I think the Bills would say, look, we don't have a lot of money, but we do want to bring you back on a cheaper deal is to kind of play in that Shaq Lawson role, to be the Bills' defensive number, or end number four or five, to kind of rotate in. I He's someone where if the Bills signed him relatively soon or at the start of free agency, that would make sense to me because, again, Sean McDermott does rotate up front on the defensive line as much as any coach in the league.
3: Chris Passo on the Western Hotline. You mentioned a safety. There could be one guy yeah. there in the first round that might be the right fit. That That's a position that has also, as we're talking about, changes right how defensive ends have changed safety another position that has changed especially if you have guys that are adaptable and that's something that the bills of course have shown a, a big interest in the Micah Hyde Jordan Poyer era the way that McDermott mm-hmm. was able to use them uh who are the safeties that fit the bills kind of idea of a safety
4: yeah that's good to bring that up because of obviously Poyer and Hyde's age um To me, Cameron Kinchin's from Miami, and I think you have to add in the fact that they hired the University of Miami's secondary coach, uh, Jamil Adai, just a few weeks ago, so he has a very intimate knowledge of Cameron Kinchin's. Um, He fits as truly someone who kind of looks like Jordan Poyer. He's like 5'11", over 200 pounds, so he's that bigger-bodied safety, but mostly was that ball-hawking free safety. He had 11 interceptions over the last two seasons, On what otherwise was not a very good Miami defense. The athleticism is through the roof. I think he's going to test. I don't think he's going to test amazingly in run 4 3 with a 42 inch vertical, but I think he'll test well enough to cement himself as a first rounder. I I have him right on the edge of my first round in my big board right now and just did a lot of different things. And I think that's important that, like you're saying, that safety has changed. It certainly in Buffalo kind of started where Poyer was the free safety or, or was the strong safety, Hyde was the free safety and it's like they there was so much interchanging between those two that it wasn't always Poyer at, at the strong safety spot with Cameron Kitchens um and one other named Tyler Newbin get to know that name from Minnesota but certainly a a free safety only type guy right now but was ultra productive he's a little bit older um and I think could come in and be and have kind of a higher four which it does seem like the Bills like to aim for with a few of those early picks, but Kitchens is one board falls a certain way. They're there at 29 chop Robinson's gone. You could convince me because the position seems like it's not important, but I, I think almost that it's grown in importance the last yeah. few years, like you said, based on how many different things the safety has to do on Sundays.
3: And it's been, and it's been important to to the bills. I mean, it's been part of the back, sure. backbone of their defense. All right. So mm-hmm. combine next week, uh, we'll get our, you know, our required wide receiver train conversations, uh, you know, I kind of want to ask it this way: who should bill 's fans root against at the combine because the combine can be a spot where you know you like a guy and then he performs too well and now you can 't <laughs> get him anymore and there 's also you know the the flip side it 's not always first round picks there 's the famous video of Brandon Bean hoping yeah. Gabe Davis runs a slow forty because he likes Davis and he doesn 't want too much attention on Davis for being too fast, which of course we we saw he had good speed with the bills so um who do you think has the the most to gain slash lose from a receiver standpoint at the combine? How could the board move when they ultimately get to their workouts?
4: Well, the guy that we've talked about a lot, and I'm sure you've had other guests uh, discuss him, Troy Franklin from Oregon, and here's why: because he's listed at like six three and like under 190 pounds, so that is like sprinter body type. If Troy Franklin like that, could be the guy where the Bills are like, oh, please do not run four, three, two, or something crazy. Because at that point, and we've talked about it a lot, that the Combine really helps you slot in where guys will go in the draft. You can look at it historically. If Troy Franklin runs sub-4-4 four, four, and has, say, a 38-inch vertical... Then
3: the Raiders are definitely going to take him, right? Because... <laughs> yeah, the Raiders are going to take him. <laughs> they always I take the fast guy.
4: The yeah, for sure. But he's not going to be there at 28. So that's the guy that I think checks both of your boxes where he would bring more explosive plays to the Bills offense. And he has the flexibility, the route running skills, the contested catch flashes to eventually be a wide receiver one in the offense. That's been a great point by you during this wide receiver train talk that that is important. That second element matters a lot. So Troy Franklin would be the one in the first round um, that I think would probably be where the Bills are hoping. He just, Test well because they don't want him to be a, you know, a terrible athlete, but not to run too fast. Yeah. Um, the other name in second round, um, how about Jermaine Burton? He's one that I like maybe just more so for the vertical ability. I don't know if in two years he's a 100-catch guy and can be a wide receiver one, although I do think you have to factor in. How much can Josh Allen make a wide receiver better? I think it can be a lot. I don't think you need the perfect wide receiver in this draft class to get good production out of him because of the quarterback you have. Jermaine Burton started at Georgia, transfers to Alabama, and is another one who looks extremely fast, showed some good leaping ability on film. He would be one that I think you would root against as maybe a second or a third-round guy if the Bills do go defense in round one, that you don't want him to test particularly fast and get him you know, out of that range at pick 60 that the Bills have in the second round.
3: And finally, Chris, before we let you go, Chris Trapasso. I mean, we'll talk again, so I've got more questions, but we'll get to those sure. later. The one I want to get to is your... Your pre combine big board at CBSsports.com. You are one of the. You're not alone. I don't think you're alone, but you're definitely in the minority with wide receiver one, and that being Malik Neighbors. So why is it that you have Neighbors ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. on your big board?
4: Yeah, it's good that I can address this because it is. I don't want to say controversial, but it it was a little surprising, and there have been a few other draft analysts that, that kind of feel the same. It really just goes on, it's because of what I value. And to me, yards after the catch, I've said it on this station a million times, the Bills got a little better in that regard. There's certainly room for improvement. The Chiefs and the 49ers have been the best at yards after the catch the last five to seven years. Malik Nabors is better after the catch than Marvin Harrison. I think the biggest Ohio State fan, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. would say, yeah, that guy, Malik Nabors, is more explosive than me after the catch. When it comes to, if you love very intricate route running and being able to play on the perimeter against press coverage, run every route in the route tree, that's Marvin Harrison Jr. I have them at number three and number four overall right now um, on my big board. The combine probably will change a lot or could change a lot. But with Malik Neighbors, he is a catch a slant and go 70 yards while making three guys mess. That's not really what Harrison Jr. does. He's a great athlete. He's big. He gets down the field. He tracks it well but he's not going to be a big yards-after-the-catch guy in the NFL. He kind of reminds me of like a lighter version of Julio Jones, who actually certainly had games where he was great after the catch. But with him, it's just he will hit big plays because of how fast he is. Neighbors is stop-and-start ability, contact balance, kind of in that Brandon Iu to Jamar Chase-type mold. Mm -hmm. Just can give you more after the catch with the ball in his hands.
3: And I actually thought of one more. Is there anything, you know, Chris, sometimes it works where you've got I mean, two first-round receivers on the same offense in LSU, Malik Neighbors and mm-hmm. Brian, Brian Thomas Jr. You know, if you're if you're watching one and then the other pops, you know, is there any concern about Brian Thomas Jr. being? You know, sometimes you'll have it this way: the second-best receiver on his own team. He was he wasn't being paid as much attention to because of Malik Neighbors. I, I don't know if you feel that way on Brian Thomas Jr. I mentioned earlier today. Like There's some that like him as a fit for the Bills in the first-round idea. He's not in that big three. Maybe he slides into the area where the Bills are. Maybe they have to move up. He looks to me like a guy that is, would it be wrong to say, Gabe Davis plus? I mean, he's got a lot of the vertical ability, and a lot of his touchdowns were down the field on vertical routes, but maybe more of a complete game overall?
4: Yeah, it would be a pretty seamless transition if they're just like, all right, we need another Gabe Davis type player in this offense who's a little more consistent, younger, cheaper, that would probably be Brian Thomas. The one thing I will say, and it's kind of what I was mentioning with neighbors that in terms of after the catchability, the wiggle, the the suddenness, short area, quickness, be able to bounce off tacklers. We did not see that from Gabe Davis. And that was a big gripe that I had with him that when he was creating big plays, it was catching the ball and just running away from people, being a long strider, which you kind of hear a lot during draft season. Brian Thomas, I think he's probably going to test similarly to Gabe Davis, but he can catch a 20-yard dig route over the middle and have the safety hit him and then stay on his feet and then stiff-arm someone and then run another 15 yards. So he would be that Gabe Davis plus guy because you're right, a lot of the strength of his game outside of the yard after the catch is just tracking the football like a center fielder down the field.
3: Chris Trapasso on the Western Hotline. Chris, thanks again. We'll be uh, tracking everything through the combine, and uh, you know, enjoy it. We'll talk in a couple of weeks, I'm sure.
4: All right, Jeremy, thanks a lot.
3: Thanks, Chris. Chris Passo on the Western Hotline, eight hundred three zero five fifty on defensive ends, defensive line, safety. Look at that. See, see, hey? we can do more than just receiver. Josh, I can do. I I, I talk about other players. You're showing your your versatility, yes. the ability to be a utility player. I'm I'm like I'm a, I'm in like an onion. I have layers here. You know, we can talk about safeties. Eight zero three zero five fifty. Uh Tim, if you're on, Tim, if you can hang with us when we get back, we'll get to your call. And open phone lines for you as well. Some good stuff there from Chris Trapasso. Interesting to see Malik Neighbors ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. on his board. It reminds me of the year that Ricky Williams was, you know, the, the whole draft trade for Ricky Williams, and he was the second running back off the board because Edger and James was the surprising, oh, wow, that guy went first. That also happened with... Bryant McKinney and Mike Williams. McKinney was supposed to be the guy. And then, like, actually, he's the second guy off the board. Mike Williams goes first. And that didn't really work out too well for the Bills. 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. To your calls on your favorite idea for the Bills in this draft. Combine next week. You know, we're rolling here on WGR. Call
0: from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. The Blue Jays have never flown higher for the first time in program history. They've beaten number
3: one. Creighton, the Creighton Blue Jays knock off number one UConn. You know, as a uh, Syracuse grad and Syracuse fan, I'm always going to be happy about UConn losing. So, go Creighton. Syracuse also, last night, they held on for a victory in college basketball. They scored 55 points in the first half, which... For those of you that maybe don't follow Syracuse basketball, here's what I'll say about this. And Tim, I'll get to your call one second, but a quick thought: they they moved on from Jim Beheim, of course. And the last ten years of Syracuse basketball, pretty much since they moved to the ACC, they've been meh, right? They Made a couple Final Fours, overachieving the tournament, but just meh. And the style of play for the last five, six, seven, ten years of Jim Beheim has been very blah. 55 points in the first half. I bet Syracuse was under 55 points for a game eight times a year recently. So, nothing else. I mean, the record's not much different than it's been. Uh, like 16 and 10, somewhere in that neighborhood. But, hey, 50, hey, they score. Look at this. An entertaining team. There's something to be said for that, right? Like, hey, how good is your team? That matters. How entertaining are they? That matters a lot, too. It's one of the things about... The Sabre thing people have found frustrating is last year they were so entertaining. They were so fun. And then this year, for long stretches, it's it's really not been that. So, you know, the entertainment value of sports is worth it. When your team is just fun to watch, you know, winning is great. Being entertained is is really good, too. It's one of the things about the Bills. these These games have been tons of fun. Not winning games 10 to 6, you know. Entertainment value. It's pretty good. Tim and Victor, as we connect with our fans, brought to you by Northtown Kia. Shop online at northtownkia.com, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Hey Tim, good morning.
2: Morning, uh, morning, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Um, I just wanted to call and say I I support your uh, being the conductor of the wide receiver train, while also wanting to go edge round one. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I think historically, Brandon Bean tends to draft round one in positions of value like quarterback, defensive end, and corner, and um, I think that there's limited edge. Um, possibilities for the bills like earlier in the draft. So, round one, somebody like Darius Robinson a great idea. But I want to push back on Trapasso saying Chop Robinson's a great, a great prospect. He says that he wins, he wins quickly. But in his whole college career, he won five times. So, in, in, in a position where, you know, stats matter, production matters. Chop really hasn't done anything. So I think that you know maybe it's lazy of I me mean, to compare him to Aaron Maven. But at least Aaron Maven had twelve sacks his senior year. Chop's had four. Yeah. You know, Greg Rousseau had fifteen and a half. That's a guy that actually did something. Yep. And another name that uh, Tripasso brought up was Jamil Aday and how he's connected to Cam Kitchens. If you look at Miami's season last year, they only really played two good wide receivers in Devontae Walker and Blake Washington. Both times, the wide receivers absolutely torched Cam Kitchens. Um, Devontez had three touchdowns on six catches, and two of them were on Kitchens. He absolutely annihilated Cam. So to that point, maybe him being familiar with Cam should should steer us away from that that draft pick. Yeah. Just wanted to call and offer my opinion on those.
3: Thanks, Tim. On uh, on the point about Chop Robinson, the number one thing you're right you see is the production or the the stats aren't there, but yada yada yada. And th- th- I'm I'm so glad you brought up Maben because I think you are simultaneously able to acknowledge that Chop Robinson, a defensive end from Penn State. His success has nothing to do at all with Aaron Mabin. But and that's a is the biggest but I've maybe ever used on the air. If we come in Friday morning after the first round of the draft, and the Bills have decided to pass on two receivers that we know well and are excited about potentially to take a defensive end from Penn State with four sacks, I know I've sat in this chair for a long time. I know that the colors on this screen are going to be lit up pretty high. Like, another Maven? (laughs) I'm going to be answering phone calls at 530. Yes, you are. Yes, yes. It's going to be an early morning for phone calls. And to me, this is a point about pressure and what to do. You could even – I think if they took a defensive end in the first round that a lot of people would admit, sure, yeah, yeah, fine, you need a defensive end, but – but, holy cow – How many pieces can you invest in defensive end? I mentioned they took Epinesa. The year they traded for Diggs in the first round with the first round pick, they take Epinesa in the second round, right? And they've just been taking defensive ends ever since. It's just lots and lots of defensive ends and a Von Miller contract. And they spend money for, you know, like Leonard Floyd's and Trent Murphy's and Mario Addison's. Like they're just constantly, constantly chasing defensive ends. And, you know, you said position of value. I'll I'll push back on that a little bit. Defensive end is no doubt a position of value. You have to pay a lot for a defensive end. But the way the Bills play, I mean, a first-round pick on a guy that's not going to play all the snaps because they rotate so much, okay. How about a receiver? Gabe Davis, they're replacing the guy that plays like 98% of the snaps when he's healthy. They got a lot of snaps to replace there. So your value is going to be in, okay, I got a guy that's going to be on the field for... of the snaps with Josh Allen versus a defensive lineman. I'm going to rotate in. They've spent so much on their defensive line. And it's worth pointing out their last two defensive, their last two playoff losses. We would have felt reasonably good about their defensive line. And the defensive line has not showed up. Whether it's two years ago, I mean, Daquan Jones is missing in that game. He's out and he might have been a difference maker. But. Against Cincinnati, their defensive line—what good was it? You all those, all those resources put in your defensive line, and in these games that you've needed to win to knock off Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow in the playoffs, the defensive line is a non-factor. And part of it, to me, is—I'm not saying like stop working on it, because of course they have to. But man, sinking—it's like a money pit and an asset pit for them. The defensive line, yep, throw more at it. Just keep more. And then next year in the playoffs, what? Hopefully that, it, that this version of it comes through. So, I, I, I mean, if you tell me defensive end, first round, wide receiver, second round, I'm telling you right now, like, I'm going to say that's okay. But I'm not going to dismiss the notion that it will again feel like they think that's so important and they are not, I don't think they're getting the, the returns on these massive investments right now. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, Zach in Buffalo, quickly. Zach, good morning.
0: Good morning, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, so I the more you talk about this, I mean, I hope they take receiver in round one, round two, round three, whatever, but the I the more I think about it, because of what Bean has said as far as last off season with Kincaid, he made a point to make it clear that he thinks that Kincaid is more of like a pass-catching tight end, a receiver, whatever his vernacular was with it. And Kincaid had a great year, so that's not like Shocking to me. Um, I don't think he's a wide receiver at all. Obviously, he's a tight end. But that his success, to me, plays into them not taking receiver in round one or two. Also, the success they've had with Gabe Davis in picking you know middle of the draft and Khalil Shakir in picking middle of the draft and the point that being made as far as Diggs still being kind of the guy in his uh, postseason presser that he did. I don't know how serious he was about that and how long-term he would be with it. Um, but I could, I, the more I think about it, I really could see them not even picking receiver until (laughs) round three or four. Who knows? Um, and so, yeah, another thing with that edge rusher comment, man, if they go edge rusher in the first round to all the people that dislike Sean McDermott, they are going to be piling on McDermott thinking that, Oh, okay. McDermott gets his guy yet again in a year where we needed receiver. Um, but, yeah, let's, I hope I, they do receive a first round, but I, I really could see them not doing it, exactly
3: Hang on. As as you say that, I think that's 100% true. It doesn't even have to be right. But if they take a defensive end, yes, the, the perception will be that McDermott makes the picks. And like 100%. I said, it doesn't have to be right. The other thing I wanted to ask you is if they go receiver, if they wait until like the third or the fourth round, will you be on the receiver train with me again next year?
0: Because I when, will <laughs> co-pilot. I will do the choo-choo, horn, whatever you need yeah. me to do. I'll get the soundtrack going too. So, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, thanks, man. Because Thanks for the phone call. If they... Listen, I don't know if I have it in me to do it another year. Although, I will say, just between you and me, I have been thinking how if they take one in the first round this year, they're probably going to have to take one in like the second round next year. I mean, the Diggs timeline is it's happening. If he's here for another year, another two at max, it's just they are they are they're behind schedule. They got to take one, and then they still are just barely on schedule, and still probably behind. 803 550 550 2550 to give us a call. Thanks for the phone calls. we Will, you better to forget it. Coming back, we're doing Comeback Trivia, a uh, $50 gift card to Acropolis. Opa, great food, great stuff, great place at Acropolis. So we got some Comeback Trivia when we come back for the break. And um, the first correct caller to 221 4 that gets the question correct. We'll win a $50 gift card to Acropolis. So stay tuned for the question when we return.
5: After the end of a good fight,
3: All right, time for Acropolis trivia. Acropolis is back. So we do comeback trivia. Here's your trivia. And then ensuing topic. First correct caller to 2214WGR with the answer. This Major League Baseball player was the first ever recipient of the National League Comeback Player of the Year. I was doing some research on Comeback Player of the Year in Major League Baseball. Started giving it out in 2005. Known perhaps more for his career in Seattle... This kid one Comeback Player of the Year with Cincinnati. He came back from several seasons, serious injuries, and is one of the more popular Major League Baseball players ever. First correct caller to 2214WGR wins a $50 gift certificate to Acropolis. And once Josh picks up the call and gets the right answer, I told him what the answer is. Josh is significantly younger. This is we got to have a segment called, like, Hey, Grandpa, tell me about that player. I'm only 44, but here I am, the old guy. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about this player with Josh as soon as he gets the right answer. Do we have the right answer? He, all right, the correct answer is Ken Griffey Jr. Josh, how old are you? You're born what year? You would be 1999. So I am 20, I'm gonna be 25 in April. How does that make you feel? Um, I was born two months before No Goal. I don't remember I mean, listen, it, but it, I was present for the party. It makes me feel great. Uh the the, the thing I thought of when you said you're born in 1999, I thought I had a baseball card from this player 10 years before this as a kid. The 1989 Ken Griffey Jr. upper deck card which when you opened it you found out was worth $150 like right away. His rookie card 1989. Ken Griffey Jr. Here's where Grandpa tells you a story, Josh. Let's sit down and you know Have a Werther's original while I tell you a story. Hey, don't knock Werther's. They're pretty good. They are pretty good. Ken Griffey Jr. was arguably the coolest baseball player ever. Everybody liked Ken Griffey Jr. Everybody liked him. He was so good. He was so cool. Backwards hat, iconic swing. He was awesome. And he's a story of Seattle, then to Cincinnati, and then just never, he could not stay healthy. His his number of games played in Seattle. He only missed significant time in one season, but he was an All Star every year from 1990 to 2000. Goes to Cincinnati, and then all of a sudden, like just plays half seasons. Gets old. He went back to Seattle late in his career. Also spent time with the White Sox. But man, prime Griffey, prime Junior. just If he was around in the age of social media or whatever, like where... And I also want to say back then, baseball was king. In the early 90s, baseball's king. And Ken Griffey Jr. was king of the sport. It was awesome. Who would I compare him to? I don't know. But everybody loved him. Everybody thought he was so good. So fun to watch. Anyway, there you go. Ken Griffey Jr. This week's uh, comeback trivia from Acropolis. Opa. So, congratulations to our winner. We'll find out who the name is. He's going to ask. Congratulations to our winner. A fifty dollars gift card to Acropolis, Opa. All right, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. We oh, you bet it or forget it. We've got some. Uh, I got a stat of the day, and I've got for the golfers out there. I've 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 a, a life lesson, a life lesson in golf to remember that I happened upon yesterday. Saw an old speaking of all time great players, I saw a Tiger highlight. And it got me thinking, because it's funny what we do remember and what we don't remember from some of the greatest moments in, you know, sports history. So anyway, get mix that in as well. You we got a call on the Bills and their draft? Throw it our way. Who's our winner? Yvette. All right. Yvette, congratulations. Enjoy Acropolis. Opa.